This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. They are Sports Illustrated. It's amazing. This incredible body of work. I really appreciate the integrity. Everything you do is well done. You guys do a great job. We love it. What can we say? He's Chris Maddox. He's employed by Sports Illustrated. The announcer's got it in for me. There you go. This is the Crossover NBA Podcast. If you have a problem with it, build a team that can beat them. Hosted by the one and only. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Chris Maddox. All right, welcome back to another edition of the Crossover NBA Podcast, the 2019 debut of the Crossover Podcast. Glad you could join me. Uh, Glad you could be here for this ride. It began uh, over at Yahoo, uh, changed over middle of this year, and now we're doing the Crossover NBA Podcast every single week. It's been great. Uh, If you can, subscribe, give us a rating, post a comment, all that good stuff. It all helps out in the end. A guy that's been a big part of this podcast early on is back. Rohan Nadkarni is back in studio. What's happening, Rohan? Chris, I actually have a little bit of a bone to pick with you. Oh, good. Let's start with the uh, with the fight. I you like g- this. You give me such a warm welcome on the podcast and you know, as you know when I was an intern at SI, really looked up to you, always had respect for your career. Was so excited to do this podcast with you. You know, I see you in New York a couple weeks ago. You're in the office. I just got such a cold shoulder from you. Did I cold shoulder you? Not even a verbal hello the whole time. I think I got one head nod, and I was like, I was like, what's going on here? I know maybe you're one of those guys doesn't like to be vulnerable, doesn't like to show emotion. (laughs) I I just was expecting, you know, a little bit more now that we're on this journey together. We, I, I will make a point. If if you ask our editor Matt Dollinger, that that's that's a normal reaction. (laughs) Okay, okay. Oftentimes, I go over to Dollinger and tell him all the things he's doing wrong. So, I mean, I could do that with you. I could just, like, I would you know, love like, it. I, I you like, know, like, listen, Rohan, I, I gotta, it's like, it's like the airing of the grievances. Like, I've got a lot of problems with you, Rohan. Let's, uh, let, let's talk about it. I could, I could take that approach if you want. Listen, I'll, I'll take anything at this point. It's better than, you know, you get the headphones in, you just give me the steely look, and I'm like, what's going on here? Does he I know? Do. I put the headphones on. It's just like, it, there's, there's so many, and look, it's not, I'm not unique to the journalism world, but you're working on like five different stories at once and, you know, you're you're hoping somebody calls. Like I'm working on an, uh, on a on a feature that uh, I spent an hour and a half on the phone with somebody just before we started recording this podcast. So it's like you're just so locked in at all times. But maybe that's a resolution. We'll get to resolution at the go. end of this podcast to be more friendly in the office because right now my my friendliness only extends down the hall <laughs> to SI swimsuit. I see. Oh yeah, I see. I get it. You your priorities are in order at least. It, yes, because you've got to you know basically you know 
kneel at the altar of MJ Day and Hillary Dresner and Janine Berry and all of SI Swimsuit. They have the so, best parties. They, have the they best do. Yeah. They do. And I like to occasionally host them, which I'd like <laughs> to continue doing that. Anyway, glad to have you here. And uh, it's a bit of a busy week. We were dark this past week over Christmas, but a lot of news over this uh, last few days. And I want to begin in Washington, where an already bad season uh, for the Wizards just got a whole lot worse. John Wall, uh, the Wizards' oft-injured franchise point guard, he will have another surgery, this time on his heel, that's going to end his season. This is yet another major surgery, Rohan, for Wall, who has had uh, procedures on both knees, one of them, I think, multiple times. The good news for Wall... His four-year extension kicks in next season. That's going to pay him around $170 million over the next four years. Doesn't really help Washington, which now finds itself in a pretty tough predicament, both short and long-term. So let's start with the short-term with the Washington Wizards, who are well under 500 right now, on the outside looking in of the playoffs. Short-term, how bad is this for the Wizards? Honestly, I've convinced myself short-term that this is good for the Wizards. Okay. Now, now, hear me out. They're already bad, right? They're already headed for the lottery with Wall playing. This, I've, It's analogous to the Grizzlies, who you know had an awful year last year. Their veterans were hurt. You know They have a, a not even a tank. They're just playing bad, and they end up with Jaron Jackson Jr. in the lottery. I think that's the path forward for the Wizards, right? You, It's a little unfair to Brad Beal, but in the short term, it's in their best interest to be really bad and add cheap labor that can contribute. What's been the Wizards' problem, you know, these last few years? They don't have that, you know, secondary or tertiary star outside of Beal and Wall who can help them. You know, they've, they've missed on the margins. They've missed with guys like Ian Mahinmi. You could say they've missed with guys like Otto Porter. They need someone who can come and, con- and contribute, and I think this gives them their best chance of doing that. I think they're headed straight for a tank, and, and I think that's a good thing. So short-term, I actually think it's in their best interest because not only will they lose a lot of games and hopefully get a good pick in what's supposed to be a loaded draft class, I think because Wall is hurt, the front office is now going to sober up a little bit. When Wall and Beal are healthy, it becomes harder to justify you know, selling off pieces. That's why you make a trade like the Trevor Reza trade. Now that Wall is hurt, now that the team is, is headed for losses no matter what, no matter what your best plans are, I also think the front office sobers up a little bit, and now they can start having realistic conversations of who can we kind of get rid of to help our future a little bit. Yeah, the only the only pushback I'd give to that argument is that I think with Wall gone, they're still not bad enough to to sink to you know the tanktastic level of, of Phoenix and Atlanta and and the Knicks and some of these teams that are just dropping anchor as we sit here in in early January. <laughs> Uh, they still they made the trade for Ariza, which was a you know a, a trade made to help them win. Now Thomas Sadoransky is a good player. Uh, he's yeah. going to come in and and he, he's not you know basic. He's not you're not going to have the equivalent of a Phoenix Suns backcourt situation. You're going to be still credible, and I think Scott Brooks is still a good coach. I, I don't think I don't think they make the playoffs, and and if they do, it'll be by the skin of their teeth. But I just I just don't think they're bad enough to to sink to that level. So that kind of puts them in that that awful mediocre place, that purgatory, where teams just don't want to be. So I think it's even, it's catastrophic because you get in the playoffs, you're the Wizards, and this is how Randy Whitman kept his job for years, right? They just kept winning postseason series. Like, they were good enough in the playoffs to merit bringing Randy Whitman back. The Wizards, even as a 6-7-8 seed, were that one team in the back <laughs> half of the playoff bracket you didn't want to play. You didn't want them in the first round. Because Toronto had didn't, Wall. yeah. Yeah, true. you had Wall, and you had Beal, and you had a, a veteran coach. You just didn't want to play them in the playoffs. Now, best-case scenario, they're a playoff team that gets annihilated in four games. Worst-case scenario, uh, I, just right in that kind of 8, 9, 10, 11, and, and 12 pack, which probably gets you a pick between the 8 and 12 range. Well, here's what I'll say, and this is what it surprised me a little bit because I, I wrote about this right when Wall went down. When Wall went down, they were four and a half games behind the eighth seed but only five games ahead of the Cavs for worst record in the NBA. I think the way I see them tanking, I agree. I mean, last year they kind of had moments when Wall went out and that Sanaransky-Beal backcourt was actually pretty good. I, I'm think, I'm looking at it this way. I'm saying in, in March, maybe Brad Beal gets shut down with like the Eric Bledsoe mysterious injury. Mm. You know, they made the trade for Ariza. Maybe you buy out Ariza. Maybe you trade him to the Rockets, who I think are still going to be a little desperate. Maybe you finally trade... Auto Porter, I mean, they lack depth, you know, I mean, I just think that 
there are ways for them. They're not going to be as bad, I, get, I agree, as the Suns or the Cavs, but there are ways for them to get worse and I think kind of fall into not the lowest pack, but a, a low enough pack in the league. Okay, so there's the short-term impact. Long-term, it's a little even more precarious mm-hmm. because now you have John Wall, another major surgery. His lower body right now is like a game of operation. <laughs> And he's going into a massive contract extension. I mean, the back year, the final year of that deal, I believe it's like $47.5 million. Oh, yeah. This final year is, I think, that player options for $47 million. Oh, God. I mean, that is, even if John Wall was at his best, that's a tough contract for anyone to take on. Now, there's no market for him. Like, he's not going to be able to come back, probably based on the timeline the Wizards laid out, probably till training camp. So, Teams would really have to see this guy come all the way back. I think this just kills any chance Washington had of rebuilding this team uh, you know, in this offseason. I agree. Here's the, the optimistic, charitable look at this if you're a Wizards fan, if you're someone really looking for a silver lining. You know, it's 2019. I'm still in a good spirit. So let me say this. You know, there were reports that came out right when it was announced that he was getting the surgery, and this is probably, you know, a little bit of his agent talking or whatever, but this injury had lingered for over a year, that this was a long-term foot problem. If you squint hard enough, I think you can argue that this is surgery is maybe a good thing. If this is taking care of a long-term issue, maybe this actually helps him get back closer to the player he was. I think we both agree, even John Wall at his very best, that's going to be a hard contract to build around. There's no doubt about it. But if this somehow makes him healthier in the long term, if this gets him back closer to where he was, if he, if they are finally bad enough where he can take a full offseason to get motivated to prepare his body, then maybe maybe they can be good again. I, and I understand that there's reason for skepticism. His previous injury history, you know, there were times in the past where it looks like maybe he wasn't really motivated to come into camp at tip-top shape. But if you're a Wizards fan, I think what you pray for is that this surgery fixes a long-term issue, and now you can kind of get a John Wall that's closer to the John Wall he used to be. Yeah. I mean, look, the the argument for a healthy return for John Wall is Mike Conley, right? I mean, Mike Conley had a comparable injury to John Wall, played only 12 games last year, having one of the best seasons of his career in Memphis right now. I, I don't know. I mean... The, the the knees plus the heel, John Wall's a guy that relies on speed. It, it's it's going to be tough, and and I don't know where the Wizards go w- with this group. And that's sort of the, the the final question with with Washington. And you sort of touched on this. Maybe it's you now try to flip Trevor Ariza to another contender, which you can still do per league rules. Uh, maybe it's it's Otto Porter. What what is you know if, if you look ahead to the off season, assume the Wizards don't make the playoffs. What do they do? Do they bring this band back together? What would you do? So I think they're actually going to have a couple options. I don't think you bring this band back together. I mean, we touched on this, it feels like, you know, maybe six weeks to a couple months ago now. But I think the first thing you try to do is you try to trade Otto Porter. We can argue about his utility as a player. He's not good enough to be a third star, especially on this team. I I think he is more value to other teams around the league that already have better players in place. I think you try to move Otto Porter to get some of that future salary off your books. See if you can get an expiring contract, something like that. I think you try to trade Trevor Ruiz to see if you can pick up another first rounder late in this year's draft or 2020 or 2021. I would start the teardown. And then when they get a what would should be a pretty good draft pick in next year's draft, that gives them some options, right? They can add, you know, someone who knows where they're going to land up, but they could be able to get a pretty good young player with that pick. Or maybe you, you're able to package that pick with another one of your high-priced veterans and bring in another star. I mean, we don't know who's going to be on the trade market. Things are going to be very fluid next summer. I think it's going to be, you know, a Wild West situation in the NBA. But depending on how badly they tank, I mean, I think the draft pick is going to give them some options, either package as a trade or bring in kind of a star to help Wallen Beal. I'm with you on Porter, and I, I think I said this on the last podcast where we did talk about it. I, I would quite literally give away Otto Porter. I, I, I agree. Anyone, anyone that wants him, you know, Dwayne Wade last year was traded for a 2024 second round pick. <laughs> I, I would take that for Otto Porter at this point. It's not a reflection on him as a player. I think he can be a, a credible player and still is a pretty good player. It's just that it, it doesn't work in D.C. and he makes too much money for them to be able to rebuild 
unless they deal him. So maybe you call Brooklyn and say, well, you know, hey, Nets, you just took Alan Crabb's crappy contract that you made an offer sheet on. You did the same thing with Otto Porter. Would you like to have Otto for the final three years of his contract? Anything to get him off the books. I do not trade Bradley Beal. I know there's going to yes, be a lot of teams, agreed. and already, from what I'm told, teams are lining up to to make offers to the Wizards for Bradley Beal. I think Bradley Beal is too good a player with too good a contract. I had people tweeting at me that, like, oh, you said Bradley Beal's got a manageable contract. He's going to make $27 million <laughs> in a couple of years. That's manageable. That's a bargain. That's a bargain NBA. now, yeah. For a perennial all-star who's healthy and can do the things Bradley Beal does, that is a manageable contract. And he's under contract for the next two years. So unless somebody comes in with a godfather-type offer, I would make Bradley Beal the centerpiece of my rebuild, and I wouldn't trade him for anything. I agree. I, I do think, in general, the NBA needs to NBA teams need to be a little bit better at at cutting bait and realizing that certain configurations just don't work. And I think that's what hap- that's what's happened with the Wizards. I'm still a fan of the hypothetical Otto Porter for Hassan Whiteside trade. I actually think that has a lot of upside for both teams. So that's that's what I'm going to try to speak into. You're going to technically put Hassan Whiteside and Dwight Howard on the same team. <laughs> and by the way, Dwight Howard is on a two-year deal. Like, Dwight is not that's opting out true. of that contract. That's true. He is no chance Dwight Howard's opting out of, what is it, $5 million for next year. That's a two-year deal. How many minutes has Dwight Howard played this season? I feel like every, like, oh, God, what a... We need to do a whole podcast on just Dwight Howard's career at some point. I mean, that's yeah, podcast, a story, yeah, oral a history, documentary. I, yeah. I mean, it's 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 been wild. <laughs> I okay. If you want to, you're gonna you really want to kill Scott Brooks, don't you, by putting Hassan Whiteside and Dwight Howard on the same team? I that, do. I just want. I do that, and I want a happy New Year for Eric Spolstra. So I want that well, trade to happen. You know, my you know, before, and this is not to go too off course, but before the wall injury, I think Miami was a realistic possibility if the Wizards shopped him there. Yeah, um, yeah. I, the I the it, Heat definitely dodged a bullet. I think. Yeah, if that happened. All right. Uh, from bad to good, the state of the Lakers here, uh, Rohan. Let's talk about them a little bit. The Lakers dodged a bullet this past week when. A groin injury to LeBron James turned out to be relatively minor. We are past Christmas into the new year, and the Lakers are firmly in the playoff mix in the Western Conference. They're playing with some pace, top 10 there, which uh, we expected. They're also defending uh, owners of a top 10 defense, which was unexpected, at least by me. Uh, Big picture, what have you made of the Lakers? Have they surprised you with how they've played so far this season? The Lakers have absolutely surprised me. This is like a total Jekyll and Hyde team. You don't know what you're getting from them on, on a night-to-night basis almost. I owe an apology to JaVale McGee, first and foremost. I thought it was, uh, uh, frankly, a joke that they were entering the season with him as their starting center. He's been really, really good for them. I mean, way way better than beyond my expectations. He's anchored that defense when he, when he was healthy and on the court. I remember Luke Walton was in Brooklyn, and I asked him, you know, does the defense match your expectations that you had before the season? He said they wanted to be a top 10 defense, and he admitted. He said, you know, the first week that, sem- that seemed like more of a dream than a goal. And, and here they are. They've definitely... Seemed ludicrous in that it, first, it really first few did. weeks. They've, they've definitely overachieved. At the same time, they have these, like, baffling losses. I mean, they got blown out in Denver. They lose to the Magic. You know, they have all these weird losses that it's so hard what, what to make of them. I, I still think... Brandon Ingram, it's weird, right? Because JaVale has been way beyond, better beyond belief than Brandon Ingram. You're like, we thought you were going to be, you know, ascend next to LeBron and, and his game looks better whenever LeBron's not playing. They've definitely overachieved in the sense that I thought they were going to be fighting to get into the playoff picture for much of the first half of the season. I mean, that's kind of how it went with LeBron's return back in Cleveland, right? And you could argue that was a better team and an easier conference. So in that sense, I'm surprised it how firmly they've stayed in the playoff picture, but the way the West is stacked up, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if two weeks from now, you know, they backslid a little bit, but JaVale, I owe you an apology, and that defense is way better than I ever imagined. See, if we're on the Laker apology tour, I'll jump in on this, because (laughs) I I owe an apology to LeBron James, because, look, and, and people hit me on this all the time on Twitter about how I predicted the Lakers wouldn't make the playoffs. I didn't believe as great as LeBron is as a player, I didn't believe in that conference Mm -hmm. he could have elevated those players to the level they're playing right now. I don't blame you. You you can argue, too, that he's benefited from the collapse of some teams. We'll get to the Jazz. They've been just a a mess. (laughs) The Rockets haven't been the same team, so those games are more winnable than they've been in years past. 
that being said, this was a team of of goof-offs last year. I mean, the, the rap battles and the immaturity that they showed. You also had a bunch of mercenaries brought into the mix with Lance Stevenson and Rajon Rondo and, and JaVale McGee. I didn't think that LeBron, as great as he was, again, would be able to glue all this together to get them to this point. But LeBron James has shown once again that his mere presence elevates players, average players or good players, to another level. The Ingrams, the Lonzo Balls. I'm with you. This team doesn't really have an identity yet. Are they going to be a defensive stopper team? Are they going to be a team that just beats you by you know, putting up 130 points? They're very unpredictable on, on basically a weekly basis. But LeBron has elevated them. LeBron has, has almost single-handedly made them a playoff team by his talent and his presence out there on the floor. And that is something, Rohan, I just didn't believe was possible with this group. I want to say something that another thing that's really surprising about the Lakers and LeBron in particular I did not think they would play at the pace they're playing at with LeBron on the team. That was one of the biggest question marks I had going into the season. Everyone said, you know, LeBron is the perfect, you know, guy to have on your team to run up and down the court. And in many ways, that's true, except his teams always play incredibly. So the Lakers are playing at a fast pace. And I'm shocked at how, not that LeBron can't keep up with that, but in year 16, for him to be playing what's almost definitely the fastest pace of his career on any team that he's been on that that has really blown my mind how how well he's held up considering how fast they want to play it and how willing he has been to play that style I didn't see that coming either yeah I mean he's not I wouldn't say he's a front runner for MVP and you know the games he's going to miss and, and where the Lakers finish in the standings is, is going to be a factor and all that Giannis is is right up there in that MVP debate Kawhi is going to be mentioned in the MVP debate but where does he belong, in your opinion, in that MVP discussion? Because, you know, a, a barring a collapse, the Lakers are going to be in the middle of that playoff picture this year. You know, I, I will say, as great as he's been, and I'm, I'm probably going to catch some flack for this, I thought I think he's been a little overrated in the MVP conversation so far. Obviously, the stats are incredible. His impact is incredible. He's also really not trying half the time on defense, man. Like, I, oh, he I, hasn't done that in years. Yeah, like, I mean, I mean, at what point do we hold that against him? I understand that he needs to conserve energy. Last year, he played all eighty-two, dragged the team to the finals. I get it. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to make excuses for LeBron James. At the same time, a guy like Paul George has been a two-way star for the Thunder the entire way through. He's guarding the other team's best player every night. Kawhi Leonard guarding the other team's best player every night. LeBron letting Jared Dudley, you know, back cut him to death in Brooklyn. I, I am I am not saying LeBron is not a great player, that he's not at his best, still probably the best player in the universe. I just think the MVP, it's a regular season award. LeBron's just not trying hard enough on both ends for me to say that he should be in the top two. I've seen a lot of people have him in the top two. I think he's getting that, that narrative Lakers bump. I'd put him probably four or five on my MVP ballot right now. No, that's fair, and I'd probably have him somewhere in that range as well. I mean, Paul George is doing it two ways. Kawhi is doing it two Nicole ways. Nikola Jokic is doing it two ways this yeah, year. Yeah, you, you got guys that are playing at a high level. It's just, you know, that, and maybe some, and some people, I'm sure, did expect the Lakers to to be in the playoffs. I just didn't expect them to be this good. Now, that all that being said, what's the ceiling for this Lakers team? Assume they're a playoff team. How far into the playoffs do you think they can go? I think as presently constructed, they don't make any major moves. They don't somehow swing for another guy or even a, an Ariza type. I think their their ceiling is still second round. I mean, I think the Warriors are definitely better than them. The Thunder, I'm I'm not fully sold yet, but they've obviously been very, very good. I've been high on the Nuggets, no pun intended, uh, since before the season started. So I think the Lakers, as, as presently constructed, are still a second-round team. As great as LeBron is, I think it's going to be, you know, a whole nother world for the Lonzo types, the Josh Hart types when they get to the playoffs. I mean, that's a different kind of pressure. And, you know, one NBA narrative that I always buy in is, you know, teams need to kind of experience that postseason heartbreak, you know, that series loss before they're really hardened. Um, and, and the West is a totally different beast than the East. So I think as presently constructed, there's still a second round ceiling. If... If they were to add a 3-and-D type, a guy on the margins that just gives them that little more punch, another veteran presence, I think that could actually help them a lot. But I would be 
I wouldn't be shocked, but I'd be surprised if they made the conference finals. Yeah. I, I, I Look, the team they can't beat is Golden State. For as sure. great as LeBron is, and I know they beat them you know, on Christmas, but Golden State sucks on Christmas. Steph Curry <laughs> sucks on Christmas. I don't know why, but they do. Um, but other than that, you know, LeBron versus any other team. Yeah. I'm not sure I'd bet against LeBron at this point. This is, look, I'm admitting, this is a pretty big 180 for me at this point <laughs> because I didn't believe in, in a, for a second that that this team was going to be where they are. But you get LeBron James into the playoffs, you get this team a little more experience over the course of the season. Maybe they gel even more. You get Rondo back if he stops hurting his hands uh, as he has the last couple of months. I don't know. I think I think they can be get to the conference finals. It's it's not impossible. What it, what is going to be interesting to me is the seeding in the West is going to be so important, right? Because the Lakers could end up drawing the Warriors in the second round. You know, they could end up drawing the Rockets in the second round or the Thunder. I think that's going to be the earliest in the playoffs in a long time LeBron has faced another bona fide superstar. And again, I'm not saying James Harden is in his level. Uh, you know, Durant obviously is, but. I think it could come down to seeding. If you know, if they get the Warriors in the second round, well, then they're not making the conference finals. If they somehow manage to avoid them, you know, then they have a better chance. But matchups are going to play a big role, I think, in that. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, so a team that is on the outside of the playoffs looking in right now is the Utah Jazz, hovering right around 500. The defense has righted itself to a degree. They're in the top five once again in defensive rating. The offense, it stinks. They're in the bottom third of the NBA uh, in offensive efficiency. This was a team, Rohan, that a lot of people believed, myself included, they could eventually develop into a real threat or an heir to Golden State down the line. They had Donovan Mitchell, who was the story of of, this, of most of last season as a rookie in Utah. They had Rudy Gobert. They had some quality young players. Dante Exum was coming back. And that just hasn't happened with the Jazz. Why is this team, from what you've seen, not taken that step forward? I mean, I think part of the issue, and I hate to put it on him because he's so good, is I think Donovan Mitchell is not surprising anyone anymore, and I know that's a little bit of a cliche, but now the teams are really keyed in on Mitchell. I mean, he's had the, – the volume is there, but the, he's been really inefficient this year, and I think that's a big problem. They rely on him. The burden on him offensively is so large that once he's playing even a little bit more inefficiently, it, things get dicey for them, and they, they don't have a second creator – I think their biggest problem right now is pace is at an all-time high, scoring is at an all-time high, and I just don't think they have the horses to keep up with that. And, you know, last year defense was such a big part of their identity. They're still very good defensively, but they take a slight dip in that area and a big dip offensively. This is the result, right? I think they're they're desperate for a second creator. I, I know that they've, you know, done a little gymnastics. They might have a little flexibility uh, next summer, but unless they add another guy who can kind of relieve the pressure on Mitchell. I, I think that this is always going to be an issue for them. They have a very, you know, balanced roster. They have a lot of depth in many ways, but they're just really missing someone who can lighten the load on Mitchell. I mean, they don't have another guy who can take over for even a five, six minute stretch. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that's a big problem. And when I went out to Utah last year, you know, one of the questions I asked some jazz people was, you know, you've got Donovan Mitchell now. Does that sort of soften the blow of losing Gordon Hayworth. And they looked at me like I had six heads because <laughs> they say the, the the stock answer was, if we had Gordon Hayward, look at what we'd be. Mm -hmm. We'd have a second score to pair next to Donovan Mitchell. And as teams have gotten a good look at Mitchell uh, and as they've gotten a better look at the Jazz, they've adjusted. And they've, from what I've seen, they've really geared their defenses towards stopping Mitchell and daring the, the Joe Ingles and the Ricky Rubios and... And, and these other players there on the team to beat them. And the Jazz have not shown offensively that they're capable of doing that. Now, one thing we should point out is that if you go back to last year, I think it was right around late, it was late January. I think it was a game against Atlanta. It was basically rock bottom for the Jazz. The mm -hmm. Jazz stunk in the first half of last season. They were a bad team. And then, you know, Gobert came back and got back into the mix and they took off in the second half of the season and became the team they, they eventually finished the year as. Could that happen again this year? Maybe. The catalyst, as I mentioned last year, was Gobert coming back. They don't really have that guy out injured right now. But this is a team that's shown an ability to do kind of a 180 midseason. And we'll see if Quinn Snyder can can drag that out of them at this point. I am a little bit curious to see Dante Exum develop a little bit more this year. Uh, 
there are times when he has those flashes of being that kind of guy who can give them a little spark with his athleticism. I mean, he's a certainly a very capable defender. He's someone, obviously Rubio has been so good for them, but I wonder if maybe throwing a little bit more on Exum's plate just to see if, you know, giving him those opportunities helps him develop a little bit more is a strategy for them because they're, they're, the answer is not going to come from the outside, in my opinion. Like you said, they don't have that injured guy waiting out there for them to come back. So, you know, they gave Exum the extension, right? Maybe put a little bit more on his plate, see if he can add a little more, add a different dynamic to the offense because they need answers right now. And I think that's as good a, good a one as any as they can have. Is, yeah. is throw a little more on his plate and see what happens. I was one of the the drivers of the Dante Exum bandwagon for most of the last few years. I, I really like Exum's <laughs> game. What's disappointed me is that the three-point shot just hasn't come along. Yeah. And, you know, if you're Exum, like he had the knee injury a couple of years ago, you know, when you have the surgery, you can't play basketball, but you can, you know, eventually work on, you know, your shot and that part of your game. The fact that he is, for the third year in a row, shooting under 30% from three-point range is is terribly disappointing because you just can't be effective in this league as a guard if you're a, basically a non-factor from beyond the three-point. It just doesn't work. There's only a handful of guards in this league that can do that. Rondo is is one, and, and I'm sure there's a, a, a few ben others. Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons. Yeah, Ben Simmons. Like, yeah. There's only a handful of guys that can do that, and they're they're special players. Mm-hmm. Dante Exum has not shown that he's a special enough player that he can get away with being that bad a shooter. And you know the fact that he's he sort of had these opportunities over the last few years to better his shot, and it hasn't come along. That's what 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 really bothers me about Exum. But I think we're on the same page that the 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 best way for the Jazz to take a step forward is to either develop a second scoring option, which they've been they've been good at developing everybody. Their player development yeah. program is top notch in Utah. But I don't know if that guy's on the roster or make a deal for one. And, you know, maybe Derek Favors' contract can be used. We know that's a non-guaranteed contract um, for the second year of, of, of that deal. Maybe you can use that to bring in a different type of player uh, before the trade deadline. But I think the Jazz are in a little bit of trouble in terms of regaining their contender status. I, don't, I, I just don't think they're going to – I don't think they were able to make that turn like they did last year. Maybe uh, this is something that I'm just throwing out there. We haven't heard a lot about Kevin Love in a while. Yeah, maybe he's a target for that. That's I mean, interesting. That's, That's interesting. I, I mean, right? Maybe you you trade favors and kind of fill in that spot at power forward. I mean, it's worth a shot, right? That's I mean, interesting. I didn't think of that. I, I would, if I'm both teams, I would do that, right? Because you're the, the what are the chances of the Jazz signing someone like Kevin Love in free agency? The contract's a little big, but I almost think it's worth the risk. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's the contract's big, but it's not. It's not absurd. It's Again, not like John we Wall. Talk, yeah, like we talk with Beal. Like Beal doesn't has a big contract, but it's not an absurd contract. You know, Kevin Kevin Love makes sense there. A floor spacing big man, a guy with championship experience. Uh, it's a low pressure environment again for him to play in. You know, Kevin Love also loves the Utah area. He trains out in Park City all the time. He he gets his work in out there. I would that that I never thought of that. And and if you're the you're the Cavs, you can get off that idiot contract to begin with. Like the <laughs> I, like I don't know why the, I, I don't know why people are writing at the time like oh yeah they you know if, when LeBron leaves the Jazz secure the the Cavs you know do you know they get Kevin Love to sign up long term. Of course Kevin Love signed that deal. It was worth a lot of money. You know Kevin Love <laughs> probably it guarantees him it protects him from from injury. He's been battling injuries over the last few years. It made no sense for Cleveland to lock in a player like Kevin Love. For, for that long. I feel like Cleveland only did it to trade him. That, that's the only way that makes sense to but me. But even that, like... But yeah, I, I mean, I'm not... I'm. You know what? You're right. I'm not going to give their front office that much credit. I mean, Kevin Love would have been far more tradable, don't you think, on the last year of yeah. a big money deal than he is with, with years to go? I mean, only teams like Utah or smaller market teams that would struggle to bring in free agents would would take it on. But the Jazz are a great example of that. Look, they, they need a floor spacer next to Rudy Gobert. I mean, look, favor starts, but... You know, favors comes right out. Yeah. He's basically the backup center for for, sure. for most of those games. I, I like that. It, that's that is an interesting idea there, Rowan. I like Let, that. Let's uh, make that, it happen. We'll keep talking about it until they do. Keep, it. We'll talk it into existence. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Let me finish uh, a little close to home for me. The Celtics. Their uneven play. It it continues. Uh, they beat Philly. Good win on Christmas Day. They follow that up with a tough loss in Houston. They rally to beat the Memphis Grizzlies the other night. <sighs> You know, let, let me take myself out of it for a moment because I'm, I'm pretty close to I do a lot of the broadcasts here in Boston. What's your take on where the Celtics are right now? 
the Celtics are another enigma to me. If you only watch the Sixers play the Six, if you only watch the Celtics play the Sixers, you'd be convinced Boston is a juggernaut and the the best team in the league because they just have Philly's number. They don't make a lot of sense to me. One thing that I didn't expect this year, and it's funny because everyone kind of made fun of Charles Barkley for it, and he said, you know, guys like Tatum and Jalen Brown are going to take a step back, but they kind of have a little bit, right? I mean, I'm really surprised at the way Jalen Brown's season has gone, obviously moved to the bench, and I'm not saying he's not a good player or effective player, but they're leaning way more on Marcus Morris and Marcus Smart than I thought they would have to this year. This is what I'll say about Boston. I still think you don't want to see them in a playoff series. Their their flexibility is still very good. I think another issue they've had is, you know, we all kind of assumed Gordon Hayward was going to fit seamlessly right in. Another guy who's clearly taking time to get back to where he was. I do think Boston, to their credit, is the kind of team that will continue to get better as the season goes along. And they are going to be an issue in a playoff series. I just think that the the pieces are, are needing more time to gel. They obviously make so much sense on paper, but together the, the fit just hasn't been there. I mean, they're starting five that we all assumed was going to run, you know, rush shot through the league at the start of the season with, with Hayward in there, Horford starting at center, just wasn't very good. And I, I hated that starting five. What? I, I mean, those are their record. best five players, though. Yeah, but, it, and I've said this, I think, on this podcast before. I, I thought that lineup should have been utilized more like a Golden State death lineup mm. than a lineup you trot out there for 30 minutes a night. I, I thought you should... What they eventually have done or is the right thing. Uh, Marcus Morris, you know, who's been maybe their second most consistent player behind Kyrie Irving all season, he has been excellent. Marcus Smart, you know, who has irrational confidence in his three-point shot, but he's a defensive-minded player first. So you bring two guys that aren't necessarily offense-oriented into that starting lineup. You move two other guys. I, I wasn't really thinking that Hayward would be the guy, but Hayward to the bench, Jalen Brown to the bench. It gives your second unit more punch. Now, basically, you can play 48 minutes with an all-star level player on the floor, two all-star level players on the floor at all times. I thought that was the smart move. I never thought that starting lineup made it. To me, Rohan, it was a, it was a cop-out in some ways because – it saved the Celtics, the front office, the coaching staff from having a difficult conversation with somebody like a Jalen Brown or a Gordon Hayward about coming off the bench to start a season when, you know, for Gordon Hayward, he's been a star for his in, in the last few years, for most of his career. And for Jalen Brown, he was just a key player on a team that was one game away from ending LeBron James's reign in the Eastern Conference. So I, I thought it was a little, it took the easy way out to some degree. Well, uh, I also, yeah, I also, it also bothers me when teams don't start with their best five players. And I know this is a very like I play a lot of video games attitude, but like I wish the Warriors started the death lineup. Like I'm tired of teams pretending that they need to use a center for like the first you know six minutes of every game when we know that it's crunch time. They're they're not even going to use these guys. So I, I don't know if it's a cop out. I, I do understand the idea of this is our best five and we're going to go with our best five. What do you mean? I'm curious what you make of Jalen Brown because you are close to it. You know, what's the, what is the team saying about him? Cause I really, really like him as a player. And I know guys are higher on Tatum and, and Tatum is the better prospect, but I, I'm surprised at how Jalen Brown's been kind of marginalized this year. Yeah. I mean, he's a better two way player than Jason Tatum because of his defense. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have the offensive upside that, uh, that Tatum has. He's been battling that hand injury, which he copped to the right. other night, and that's been causing him some problems since around Thanksgiving. I mean, to be clear, he wasn't great before Thanksgiving either, so it's not like it's it's a new phenomena. Uh, but he's really struggled in, in trying to find his niche with this team. And again, with a guy like Brown or Tatum or, or even like a, not, not Hayward at this point, but you put them on another team and they're probably averaging like 25. Like, yeah. you know, I think Brown's capable on the Cleveland Cavaliers of averaging 22 to 25. I said last season, and people thought I was nuts, but I said last season that Jason Tatum is capable of being a 30-point-per-game scorer in this league. He, now, he's he's sort of adopted a little bit too much Kobe. Like you know, He's the, way too many mid-range pull-ups. Yeah, the, 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 he's taken the worst of Kobe and... <laughs> and incorporate into his game. And I think last time I checked, he was in like the 95th percentile for mid-range jump shots. That's that's not an area that you want to be in. He's so long, and I thought he got strong enough to be able to finish more at the rim. 
But, you know, he's another guy still trying to figure out what it's like to be the second, third, sometimes even fourth option offensively. So they're they're still trying to find some things. Now, Bill Simmons was on on Twitter in the middle of that Grizzlies game, right after the Grizzlies, those running gun Grizzlies, put 38 points on the Celtics in the second <laughs> quarter. And at halftime, Bill was begging for a trade. I just I just don't think Rohan Boston's going to make a deal until they know with certainty what Anthony Davis is going to do. And that could happen, you know, at 12:05 on July 1st when the New Orleans Pelicans slip one of those offers to Anthony Davis, super max level offer, and if Davis says no, game on. Then the the the, the Pelicans have to deal. You know, we can yeah. this has nothing to do with tampering or yeah. wanting a player to go to a different market. A reality of the situation is that if he turns down the Supermax, he has to be traded that offseason. A team can't take a risk of uh, going into the season with him. And Boston's in play, so they're not going to make a deal, even if they might need to make one now to make themselves better for this season. They are not going to make a significant deal until they know what Anthony Davis is going to do. And I think that's completely the right strategy. First of all, you have a team that made the Eastern Conference Finals last year that added Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward, right? I wouldn't make a deal. I would... I'm willing to enter the playoffs with that and, and seeing what happens, and I'm with you. And until the Anthony Davis domino falls, no team should be trading assets for a quick fix. Now, and by the way, if you're the Pelicans, you're bonkers if you're taking anything the Lakers offer. Right oh now. come on, that's a homer take. That's a homer take. What you you think they should? I think that you can make a case that Ingram and some package of Kuzma Hart. Lonzo Ball and whatever they can scrounge up is not a bad deal. Okay, but is that offer not going to be there on July first as well? Oh, okay. You're you're saying before the season ends. I'm saying before. The, yeah, you're, I'm saying now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, no. No. Yes. No. You you don't close the door on a potential Boston offer to make a deal now. The Lakers are still going to offer what they're going to offer for yes, Anthony Davis. Yes, I agree. I agree. That's all I'm saying. Like if you if they decide that Ingram Kuzma pick is better than whatever Boston puts on the table. Now, I, I still think the Celtics, if they really want to get a guy, they can go get a guy because of, of what they're capable of putting in, into a deal. Uh, they could have as many as, what, four first-round picks in this, yeah. this upcoming draft. So they can do it. It just depends how deep into the well Danny Ainge uh, would ultimately want to go. But I, I just think, you know, there's all this talk now about the Lakers making a deal before mid-February. That, that's just, if you're Del Demps, what is your motivation to do that? Like, why would you even consider that at this point? Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, the only reason that happens is, you know, through some weird Rich Paul back channeling and Davis does the whole I'm only re-signing with L.A. thing, even though that that hasn't worked for anyone lately. No, it doesn't. It doesn't hasn't work, worked for yeah. anyone. But that's the only way that's even mildly plausible, but I don't see it happening. At, at this point, if you're the Pelicans, you got to be buyers. Like, you've got to, like, I don't think the Wizards would trade them Bradley Beal, but, you know, make some kind of offer to try to get Bradley Beal up there. You've For sure. To, everything to, you to can their credit, to... they're trying. I mean, they tried to get Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Uh, I, I would like to see them swing a move. I mean, the Boogie Cousins thing is the, such an incredible what if. So we'll see what happens. I do hope that they try to keep him, obviously. Yeah. All right. Before we go, I don't know if you're a big New Year's resolution guy, but uh, before I get to your resolutions, the... New Year's resolution. Give me one for one of the teams that we didn't really talk about. It's for me. It's good health for my Denver Nuggets. As loyal listeners to the crossover podcast and loyal readers of SI.com know, I half-jokingly picked the Nuggets to make the finals this year. Listen, they've been so good, and I give a lot of credit to Nikola Jokic because the knock on him has always been his defense, and I wrote for SI that these last few weeks were going to be a big test for him. He's carried the team with three-fifths of the starting lineup out, right? Will Barton gone, Gary Harris gone, Paul Millsap gone. Harris and Millsap are such important players to Denver's defense, and Jokic has done a good job of, of still being an anchor, not being a huge minus defensively when he's been on the court. Again, he's not top three MVP, but if he picks up some fifth-place votes, I think that's incredibly deserving for Nikola Jokic. I just want to see the Nuggets, you know, who haven't made the playoffs with this core yet, enter the postseason completely healthy. I love Gary Harris. I think he's one of the most fun players in the league. Jamal Murray is an irritant in the best way. He's a, he's on the all-untucked jersey team, in my opinion. So I just want good health for the Denver Nuggets because they've really built this team smartly, and they have a lot of fun players, and they're going to be so much fun to watch in the playoffs if fully healthy. So that that's my resolution. It's good health for the Denver Nuggets, who have exceeded all expectations. And credit to Mike Malone, 
and the front office there for keeping Mike Malone after missing the playoffs by one game last season. I, I really like Mike Malone's demeanor. I think he's a great leader for that group. I think they really respond well to him. So good health for the Denver Nuggets, who I think could be a factor in the playoffs in the West. Yeah, I'm going to take the health one as well, but I'm going to direct it at one player on one team. Okay. And that is Chandler Parsons on the Memphis Grizzlies. Chandler Parsons, who ever since he signed that contract with Memphis, has just been unable to stay on the floor. He has now, uh, you know, allegedly been cleared by doctors. The Grizzlies don't want to put him out there. I don't know what the reason is. Maybe it's because they feel like he's the basketball equivalent of Mr. Glass. And if you put him out there on the floor, he's going to break again. But watching this Memphis team, as I have over the last couple of months, you know, they have enough scoring from Conley, Gasol, and Jaron Jackson to get wins. It's But they need all three of those guys to score to be effective because you look for that fourth and fifth option, it's just not there. A healthy Chandler Parsons would go a long way to bolster what's been a pretty bad offense in Memphis this year. They're already a high-level defensive team. They've gone back to the grit and grind ways. Credit to J.B. Bickerstaff, who I think a lot of people were surprised when he got that job full-time. Uh, he has been very good good with that group. Uh, they're, a, they're a team that slows the game down to a crawl, which they have to do and they have done in the past. They just need another scorer to inject themselves into that playoff mix. And Chandler Parsons has the capability of being that. So good health for Chandler Parsons to, to see if he can supplement Conley, Gasol, the, the quality players they have in that roster. Good for the Grizzlies for finally, finally, Hitting on a draft pick. Oh, God. Pick. Let's not have that argument again. Here's what? They finally <laughs> hit on a draft pick. Like, Jaron Jackson can play. Jaron Jackson is a future franchise player for them. After they've whiffed time after time with those picks in the 20s, <laughs> they finally get somebody in the lottery that can be good for them. Here's what I'll say. First of all, a healthy Chandler Parsons is like, you know, we've been saying that for years. What's funny is the Grizzlies, for the la- for since the day they signed Chandler Parsons, have needed a Chandler Parsons-type player on their roster, you know, an athletic wing who can shoot threes. It would be great, so great for them if he if he finally got healthy. I agree. It would be incredible. I mean, it's fun. Chandler Parsons is a fun player when, when he's kind of clicking. I'd, I'd love to see him get back to some semblance of that. I have no idea what's possible for him anymore. It's kind of one of the great just loss-to-injury guys we've had in the NBA recently. That would be a, a very fun team if him, Conley, JJJ, and Mark Gasol were, were all kind of clicking at the same time. Yeah, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see them back in the playoffs. Because we, we talked about the Wizards being a tough first-round opponent. I don't think anybody really wants to play the Grizzlies with that style in the first round. I mean, you, you win, probably, but you leave that series pretty beat up. Oh, that's just... I'll, I'll never forget when the Grizzlies went up 2-1 on the Warriors, the first, the first year of the Warriors' run, and it was... They're they're just always, always a a well coached team. That that I agree. No one wants to see them in the playoffs. Uh, they'll always give you a good fight. Let me ask you this before we we, we finish. I, I I posited this on Twitter and kind of got mixed responses after watching the Grizzlies play the Celtics. If you're Marcus All, do you opt out of your contract next year? Twenty five million dollars. Going to be thirty four years old this month. Do you opt out of your contract after next year? Try to get a maybe shorter per year, uh, shorter money per year, in a, a more in a long-term deal? Or do you take the $25 million, hope you have the same type of season next year? That's a very good question. I think the only way he does that is if he has a wink-wink handshake agreement with the Grizzlies because I don't think the open market is really going to be favorable to him. They have him. a lot of money on that market, though. Like There are going to be teams that strike that out. Is, that's an interesting point. Yeah, maybe some team gets desperate. Lakers. What are the Lakers with? Ooh, that They're would be, familiar with the Gasol family. Hilarious. Yeah. I don't I don't hate that idea. I do think it's gonna be it's gonna be tricky. I mean, what would he get? Maybe like a, a three year, thirty six million dollar deal or something like that? I just can't yeah, imagine. That's a lot him. of money to leave on the table. You're right. right. You, you have to be guaranteed to get at least, I think, seventeen. Right. He's he's also one of those guys that I think and I know some Memphis fans are maybe upset with him these days. I just think he's one of those guys that has the most value to the team he's currently on. Yeah. Oh no. He look. He's he is the franchise down there. He he is. He and Conley define grit and grind and everything they've done. But I just wonder, if, especially when you, if you start to think if he thinks winning is is more important now. I mean, at the stage of his career. I mean, he's made a lot of money. Maybe he's willing to take less to try to win something 
at the back end of his career, that kind of David West philosophy mm-hmm. at the end. He's a better player than David West was. Uh, do you have any New Year's resolutions, Rowan, personally? Personally, no. It's I don't know. Uh, ma- you're ma- just perfect. You're, you're good. You, you know, know I've, I've already undergone a lot of personal changes in 2018. Um, so I'm hoping 2019 maybe, you know, I take a step back, just kind of enjoy the ride for a little bit. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll move to Los Angeles. Maybe that'll be my hey, New Year's resolution. There you go. I'm trying to figure out. I got to change how I use social media. I I can't I can't be as glued to my phone as as I am. Can I, give I know you, everybody says that, but I I'm, can, I can I give you one piece of advice for okay. how you use your social media? Yes. Maybe don't do Twitter polls uh, comparing Brad Stevens to every player in the NBA. Okay, that was last <laughs> year, and people keep digging that up. Like people keep finding that. That was like I think it was like mid season last year, yeah, or the playoffs yeah. last year. I'd like to point out that I didn't take a position on that. Like I didn't. I just oh, asked come the on. question. Okay, come on, just ask the question. Look, the, well, the look, Brad was obvious. My well, mind. I just asked. I just asked. And by the way, how would you be pissed at like the thirty six percent that voted for Brad Stevens? <laughs> If you think it's a crazy poll, how about you get pissed off at those people? <laughs> oh. uh, I, you know, it is a little unfair because I did see someone dig it up this week, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to bring it up to Chris and see. Oh, I get that about. shoved in my face. You know, I, won't, I don't want to say daily, but at least every other day. I'm going to put it on a T-shirt, wear it on an episode of Crossover you should, TV. You should. <laughs> I want you to, yes, do that. Wear it on Crossover TV, which you can catch, by the way, on SITV. There we go. And, um... And we'll, we'll play it out that way. Uh, Rohan, thanks for coming in, man. Always great to talk to you. And I'm sure we'll be doing this again very soon. Sounds good, man. All right. That's it for this week's episode. As always, you can download archived episodes on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, really anywhere you can download podcasts. While you're there, post a comment, leave a rating. You know I appreciate it. And I'll see you next week. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.